can you hear me now? I feel like I feel like a, just a, a mobile phone commercial. Selling it, yeah. Um, well, we'll find out as people start logging on. Let me um, share this. So, Roger, what's been going on? I tell you, I have been listening to uh, different people and different opinions and uh, seeking insight. I think there's kind of the, uh, the place I've been to look and say, well, you know, what are, what are people thinking? What are people saying? And probably one of the most amazing things that has come up, Rick, is the amount of people who are unhappy and are needy and, and are in a bad place. And how many people, uh, even though they say they're in a bad place, even though they say they're needy, even though they say they want help, uh, I see people doing everything they can to help them. Uh, it's not from lack of helpers. It's from lack of the helpees taking the help that the helpers are giving them. And I think that's a very, I, I see that as a very frustrating cycle. And that some people who are helpers uh, burn out. That, that uh, one of the things that, and you and I have talked about this a lot, that I think is becoming more and more powerful out there, Rick, is the issue of boundaries. You know, that, that one of the things that is really tearing people up uh, in their relationships, in their jobs, in their life, is their lack of boundaries. They're, they're given, 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 and, and uh, in this day and age, it is very easy and very quick to give out. And so I, I'm hearing a lot of people across the board give out. And I'm, I'm sad about that. And it's not, not for lack of giving, it's for lack of the needers not taken. It's like, I hear this thing like, well, I told this person a hundred times. I've done this for them ten times. I, you know, it's not just one time, it's several times. And it's not taken. And so the giver doesn't give up. They're, okay, I, I'm on. I know they're going to get this. I know this works. But what they miss is, it doesn't matter how good it works if the taker doesn't take it. And there then becomes the dance uh, of caretaking. Uh, that there are a lot of people out there who need help, but will not accept that their identity is in their crippledness. That their, their identity is in their problem. If, if you took their problem away from them, they wouldn't have anything. They they wholly identify with that. And then the other side of something that kind of amazed me is I've known people who had an issue, got better, kind of showed up as as what would be considered kind of a different person with a different personality, and the people around them struggle very mightily to accept it, to work with it. It's like we we like you. <laughs> this is kind of the thing I've seen in addiction. What happens is people uh, get into recovery and go out there, and the people in their lives say, we like
better when you reuse it. Mm -hmm. And they don't, and they then indirectly make it hard for that person to stay in recovery, to continue recovery. And uh, people don't don't readily talk about that. They talk a lot about getting recovery or people needing recovery. You know, people are having problems with uh, opiates and, and, and having problems uh, with alcohol. But when they get off of that, when they get into a program, when they get help, um, hard for them socially to fit in. It's, it's so uh, disturbing out there. And, and so it's important to create an environment of healing. You know, that if I, if I want to get better, I need to have a community that's going to be okay with my, my, me being healed. And I think that's even in some churches. People, you know, we want you to get better, we want you to get better. People get better, and then the people don't pay them any attention, and they drop out of the church. And so there's a real disconnect in that. But people who say, you know, we want you to get better, we're with you when you get better. As you get better and you, you move into a different direction, we still want to be there and be connected. We no longer want, we've got a boundary here. We no longer want to be uh, a quote-unquote helper. Mm -hmm. We want to be a connector. We want to be somebody that connects with you and encourages you uh, in the long run to have, to make healthy choices and to have a healthy lifestyle. And so that's one, one thing I think we want to let our viewers know about is if, if you are not well, if you struggle with something, it's not just about getting better. It's about having a community to support you in the long run of not getting better, but staying better. You know? And uh, I, was, I, I was thinking the other day, Rick, that uh, I was always wondering why I didn't live where I used to live. And part of it, I realized, was that no matter what I did, I would always be seen as little Roger. Mm -hmm. As the Roger at five years old and, and Charlie's boy, you know, because Charlie was my dad. And uh, th that I was never going to escape that identity. That everywhere I went, that was going to be something that I would have to overcome. But when I got in the car and drove, to another state, they didn't know me when I was in fifth grade or five years old, and, and they didn't know Charlie. So they had to take Rod, Roger as they saw was the Roger they saw right then. And so that gave me the avenue of change, and it gave me a community that was open to change, which I don't think would have been available if I would have stayed where I grew up as a child. I think I would have been, what I'm saying, emotionally stuck. And it would have been harder for me, you know, as, as I look back and think, you know, I got a college degree and a master's degree and a doctorate degree. Do I think I would have gotten any of those if I had stayed where I grew up? No. Uh, you know, I'd probably be working, you know, at, at a local bar and grill because that would have been the easier thing to do, that it would have been 
were supportive. They didn't know my background. They, they just took me. They saw me as coming in, and I'm saying, I want this degree. And so they said, well, we want to get behind you. And I got uh, emotional support in that, which helped me get over the hump and get the degrees. Okay, so but what do we say to someone who wants to recreate themselves but does not have the ability to be mobile in society and be mobile logistically and wants to create that, recreate or be that person they know they can be now and yet carry that little Debbie or that little or Betty's child or uh, Right. Well, I, I, think, I think you cannot stay. I think a lot of people, Rick, which I, I, I've just noticed, stay in the same area. Sometimes in the same house. And they're surrounded in the, in the block with the same family. But as they grow older, they want to be different. And they don't realize that people who love them many times don't allow them to change. Mm -hmm. And it is exceptionally hard you know, for people to come in and, and do something different. And I've even heard famous people who said, you know, I... I really saw myself as this. And then this tragedy happened, and I was asked to do something totally different, you know. I was, gonna, I was okay. I wanted to be in television production. And that was fine to me, and I didn't really have to talk, and I could sit and, you know, move the knobs back and forth. But they came in and said, we need a preacher. And what? And, and that was not in their consciousness. But they they moved to that. They had the strength uh, to 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 stay with that and to do it. But I see that as a therapist today, Rick, as the exception, not the rule. I see a lot of people who are stuck. I, I see a, I, and one of the things Facebook is awesome in the fact of looking at. Uh, people I went to high school with. Some people I went to high school with, Rick, they're the same. They, they think the same, they, uh, you know, and, and when they, they have good memories, you know, I, oh, I'm thinking good about this, or I'm thinking good about this. It's like 1969, 1970, 1971. That's the area, that, the, and they don't come out of that. And I'm thinking, wow, I bet some great things have happened. But in their heads, it is minimized. It has been minimized. And what happened in those high school years, that was the, the most important time. That was great. And so they are their worst enemy as it comes to personal and emotional growth. And uh, I'm saying that uh, I, I had to move. And I really, as I look back, think uh, that was that was the only only way I did move. I think that if I would have stayed there, uh, I would have been, you know, in the. I had gotten into a routine. I was involved in a social routine. I was comfortable in that routine, and I think I would have settled for that. You know, that the girl I dated in high school. Uh, was the 
the only one. There was no other. And uh, it was perfect. <laughs> you know? And I look back now and I'm thinking, wow, what was I thinking? Man, what a nightmare. What, what, what would life be like if, if, that, if I'd have stuck to that? And what, what, what would have happened is I would have grown up in a little, small, backward Oklahoma town. That would have, I, that would have been my life. And if I had gotten a college degree, woohoo, that would have been that would have been a big deal, you know. And and uh, so I, I most of the people I, I look at that I graduated from that have really achieved, they achieved somewhere else. They they live in New York. They live in California. They live in Chicago. They live in Dallas. They live. They don't live in Oklahoma City anymore. They they moved to be something different. And I think sometimes we, and I guess that's something I wanted our listeners to hear, sometimes comfort can be your enemy. Being comfortable in how you operate and comfortable in who you're around uh, it is an enemy to growth. That, that, as I think about it, to grow, you actually have to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I, I can remember when I moved up to school in Illinois. Oh, my goodness, Rick. Wow. Wow. I mean, they treated me like I was a hillbilly. You know, like I was Jed Clampett. And I said, no. I mean, but, but it, it forced me to adjust. It, it forced me to learn to get along. It, and, and all the food, <laughs> I grew up very much like South Carolina, everything it cooked was fried. Mm. But when you go up north, it's not the same food. They, they fry some things, but they don't fry everything. And But it's a different palate. And you then, uh, and one thing I can vividly remember too, when I was young, nobody drank beer. And you move up north, and everybody, everybody drinks beer. I mean, that's part of the culture. And so, you know, they, they, don't, they don't make a big deal about it. They don't uh, look down there. They just, you know, yeah, we drink beer, that's fine. And, and now they will kind of distinguish when you get into the whiskey, but mm -hmm. beers would be the equivalent of water to them. And so you're like, gosh. But, but I think we, we need to encourage people that, being uncomfortable sometimes is the path to healthy. Being uncomfortable is sometimes the path to growth. And that um, so many people worship comfort and don't realize that in the midst of that, emotionally and spiritually and socially, they're stuck. And so it's it's not unusual, like I was talking a second ago, it's not unusual for people who, who have not grown since they were 15 years old. They, they, they I mean, they're older body-wise, but when you sit and talk to them over a meal, you're thinking, well, we could have had this conversation in 1970. And that's a scary moment, you know. And it's it's and part of it is it's it's a limiting moment. It, you can't really stick with that kind of thing.
say that if I had met you up in Broken Era, this was not the Rick I would, the Rick I'm with now is not the Rick I would have talked to back then. And, you know, I think that's a great point. I, I think if we cannot look at ourselves and see a positive progression throughout our lives, then we have been doing something wrong. Complacency definitely is a hindrance to personal growth because we do, as you said, that personal growth has to be put out in a light and we have to do true self-examination, understand our critical thinking skills, and hopefully we don't think like we did when we were in college, uh, hopefully we don't think like we did when we were in high school, right. and that we have progressed and grown in our critical thinking skills, in our uh, self-analysis skills, and in, you know, looking really, who are we? Because we cannot really evolve without that self-examination. And, and I, I guess part of what I want to tell our people here on Southern Porch is, is painful, painful. You know, people look like, oh, I get better. No, no, no problem. Well, I mean, nah. You know, these people who have achieved great things went through a whole lot of crap and a whole lot of pain. And they may not talk about that in interviews, and they may not talk about that in social events, but when you, you take them back and they're by themselves and it's them and one author kind of talking mm -hmm. about things, the one thing they all bring up is, ooh, it hurt. Oh, I, you know, I was reading uh, some material by Dave Ramsey. And, well, you know, today Dave Ramsey is on top of the world. He's got his own radio show, and he's got a great business, and he's doing marketing stuff. But but you don't hear about Dave Ramsey who went bankrupt you, you, and, and had problems and struggled and, and had issues with other people and, and had personal issues that he had to overcome. And that life as, at his house at times was difficult. Everybody wasn't happy campers at the Ramsey house. They're, they wanted to kill each other. They didn't like, they didn't like the other person. But they, they got in there and they did the hard work and they stepped up their game and they worked hard and now they're successful. And I, I hear very few people, Rick, who move to success in their lives, whatever their lives doing, uh, with ease. Everything wonderful. You know, they teach me. All you got to do is say, I do. And then your marriage is going to be great forever. What? I've never met that person. But I, I can remember that statement. I can remember that, that, that thought out there that, you know, all you got to do is to say, I do. And, what, you know, and I call that, and I, I think we've even talked about it on the show before, Disney thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, you watch Walt Disney and, you know, someday my prince will come. Oh, no. And, you know, they only show them meeting. They don't show them living the rest of their lives. Or you'd see them arguing and dealing with things and having suspicion and having issues and having to overcome things that they did not expect. That's life. You know, that that it wasn't like everybody, you know, oh, I'm going to lose a job or I'm going to lose money or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have more bills than I, I have more outgoing than incoming. Well, I never took that class in high school. Did you get that class? No, nope, didn't get that class. I, but, boy, I sure, I sure am in the middle of those classes now that I'm an adult. It's, and and I, I think people who expect Disney are 
expected their children to be fine. They expected, you know, that nobody would get a disease, all these things. Mm -hmm. and, and what happens is stuff, and it's hard, and it will knock you down, and you have to work hard for it not to knock you out. There's just, stuff happens. You live life, something's going to happen. And you might, on one end, be as innocent as the driven snow. But that doesn't matter if people over here think you're guilty. Then they're going to treat you like you're guilty, even though you didn't do anything. You're going to have to respond like a guilty person. You're going to have to overcome that guilty attitude for people. And boy, that is emotionally hard, very hard on me. And so I, as, I, as I've read different authors, uh, different success stories, the one thing all of them have in common is the crud moments. <laughs> they all have crud. None of them. It, it all went wonderful. Every business they touched went wonderful. They got millions of dollars. I, I, not one of them, not one of the people there have that kind of life, Rick. They all came to a place where all of them say, almost gave up. Almost went bankrupt. I, I am amazed how many say that. Almost went bankrupt. Uh, but stuck to it. Stayed in the fight. Kept, and, oh, here's, I love this phrase. We, my family, I as a person or my company fought through it. Mm. Wow. You know, that's the class we ought to have. Fighting through the credit. One on one. Boy, how much better we would all be if we went through a class where they went in and talked about taking the hit and surviving the hit and going through the hit and that there is another side, you know. But you and I as therapists have seen people come in and they hit a dark spot in their marriage. They're done. You know, this person that they, oh, I love you, and they have these thousands of dollar weddings, and years later, they throw in the towel. They say, I can't stand this person anymore because this dark time happened. And when you try to help them with, this is only a moment. You're going to come out the other side, and things are going to clear up, and they're going to work better, and you guys will be tighter than ever. Uh, some people will do that, but you and I will know a lot of people, you, you can't sell that to them. You just cannot sell that. There's better days. No, in, in fact, we have the challenge that's really divided into two, and those are either victims or victors. And, 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 and that's the challenge, is, is those that, and like you said, some people just like playing the victim. Oh, uh, amen. amen. Well, that's their, I don't like its identity, mm -hmm. you know? If, if, I've, I've, if I've always seen myself as a dog, it's hard to get me to think of myself as, as an antelope or an elephant or whatever, you know, and, and using that metaphor. That's hard. But, but some people need that. Some people need to, you know, that, and that I may have been an antelope growing up, mm -hmm. but I got an older in life, and, and I saw, I've seen this life with, with people I grew up with. Uh, they would maybe have a beer. They were not a big drinker. They were just kind of... Uh, on the surface, a little social, 
But as they grow older, they got more social areas where they drank, and before they know it, they became an alcoholic. And everything they built, the house, the marriage, the kids, they lost it all. You know? And, and, and you, you can see when you talk to them, the surprising. It's like, and they will say, did, did you see that when we were young? And you're going, no, I didn't see that. And did I do something that led you to believe that I, I would have this problem? No, no, you didn't do anything that made me think this. But what happened was you came to a point of, of believing and acting as, a, as if it couldn't happen to me. You know, and I, I've seen that also in marriages. When people go, well, this marriage is never going to have a problem. I'm like, I can guarantee that this marriage is going to have a problem. And there's other people who say, you know, I know we're going to have problems. I know it's coming down the road, but we're going to handle it. And we're going to call it out when we see it. Those people are victors. They, they have a system that will bring victory to them. And I think that's powerful. And, and I think that uh, one of the th things also I see is birds of a feather flock together. You know, and, yeah, it was how you started off the conversation is, is, you know, a lot of times when we are challenged with, let's say, a drug addiction or alcohol addiction, mm -hmm. we find that there's a reason that addiction is so easy because, like I said, that's usually the um, crowd, for lack of a better word, that has accepted us and we get into it. Right. And, of course, the first thing you, you have to get them out of feeds the addiction, meaning those people that do encourage them when they're in their addictive state. Without a doubt, old playmates and old playgrounds. Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's what they say in addiction treatment. You, you know, you cannot come out of 30 days treatment and go back in to the old ways. I heard of a family that went into treatment and when they had family day, the family brought alcohol. <laughs> to 
say that these are not the people that I need in my life right now. These are not the people I need that are going to be giving me negativity, but go around the people that do have positivity, the people that are successful. If, you, if you're going to be successful in an industry, then hang around the successful people in that industry. And the thing that people miss, Rick, is it doesn't mean you have to be angry and fight and ugly oh, yeah. and make a mess to remove yourself and set a boundary. Many times, it's it comes with an opportunity for you to be involved and you simply drawing a line and saying, no, thank you. I, yeah, if they, they make a call, would you like to come to the party? And everything in you goes, oh, I want to go to this party and I want to be part of this crowd. And you saying, uh, I don't, I, I can't accept this invitation. And so very nicely, very lightly, very politely, you say no. It's those kind of things that separates people. And that when you do that constantly, what we're saying today on the porch is your life changes. People say, I want to change my life. Well, we're telling you today how that's done. It is not a major you know, issue. It's a simple no at certain times and yes at certain times. It's looking at a crowd and saying, what kind of birds are they? Right. And if they're birds that I aspire to, then I need to make an effort to get with those birds. And, it, and we're saying as therapists, what we've seen is that's how people change. That, that people, you know, maybe that guy really wasn't going anywhere, wasn't really doing anything, or their marriage really wasn't going anywhere or doing anything, but they shifted who they ran with. And it changed them. And, and many times, people don't even notice that they've changed. It's just as they've adapted to be in a particular group, they've changed. Yeah, Donna says, you know, surround yourself with what you want to be. Without a doubt. And, and the, the, the problem there is, is people won't make that decision. Because it's comfortable to stay in a low-performing group. Mm -hmm. It's easy to stay in a low-performing group. And, you know, people go, well, I don't want to get with that group because they're going to expect more. Yes, they are. And that's how they got there. It wasn't a mistake. They did more. You know, I, I, I've been around people, like, with just their children and a birthday party. They go, some people get around, wow, that was a great birthday party. And I'm saying, well, do you think it just happened? Do you think that they just showed up at the great birthday party and, and it happened? No. Planning, adjustment, purchasing, gathering things, organizing. That some, that some people have weeks before they have a two-year-old's birthday party. Weeks that they plan before they have a two-year-old party. Then my thinking is, that's going to be a lot different, Rick, than a we showed up and said happy birthday party. Yep. And, you know, I think one of our first sessions we talked about, you know, the great sports athletes, they don't get great because they keep competing against those that are lesser skilled of them. Oh, they true. go against those that have greater skills and learn. And they, you know, if you're going to play tennis, you play, you keep wanting to play against one who's better than you so you can improve. If we keep playing the six-year-olds and the seven-year-olds, our skill set's not going to improve. And life is the same way. We need to compete against those, and the compete means we need to be with ourselves and challenging ourselves with those 
in a small pond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, buddy, you can be this achiever. You can really be out there and doing all this good if you're in a small pond. But what you notice in so many sports is the great ones change ponds. That little by little, they choose, they make a conscious choice that I'm going to get in an area where they're going to expect more. You know, it's, it's not odd that certain kids who love to swim move to California. Mm -hmm. It is not odd that certain kids move to Florida if they want to play tennis. You know, the, the, this is conscious choices. This is, is consciously moving to be around people who are going to, to test me to see if I'm up for it. And, but people many times don't want to do that. They want to sit around lazily and expect, you know, that the, the, the God of tennis is going to come over me and sprinkle uh, special tennis dust on me, and I'm now going to be a national player. Uh, you know, it's even, even like Tiger Woods, you listen to Tiger Woods' story, and he's a little bitty child, and his, his father's out there teaching him how to butt, teaching him how to butt, and, and th that took sacrifice, that took effort, that took investment, and we want an outcome, Rick, in, in areas that we are making little to no investment. Yeah, you know, and you know, Using Tiger Woods, when he was at his height, uh -huh. and I mean, you know, the top of his uh, professional life, right. he still had a coach. He had somebody. He didn't go out there and say, okay, I'm good enough. I don't need anybody to right. give me direction or help me get even better. And the same thing in any, again, pro sport is the best still has a coach. Uh, you know, we all are proud of the Clemson team that they did, but uh Sean and Dabble, they would if it weren't for teams like that, you wouldn't get the type of team you had in Clemson 2016. And um, in life, we need to, we need that person in our life who is willing to be that person to push us and tell us that no, you're not at the top yet. You well, and, and I think that 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 again we're back, Rick. We're back to that idea of birds of a feather. Mm -hmm. and, and where I'm thinking. Is J.R.R. Token mm -hmm. and uh, oh, who's the other guy with, with Token? Um, uh, gosh, I'm just blanked on this. Sisyphus. Who who, who who ran with him in England? Oh yeah. Who was, uh, oh, he, he wrote uh, the Witch in the Wardrobe and gosh, is Gosh, I, I can't believe I can't remember. But I just blanked on his name. But those guys ran together. They, they were yeah, geniuses. You know, you they were C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, thank you. C.S. Lewis, think of that. They, they became the great men they were because they hung with great men. They were sitting around. They weren't having a beer with the local uh, sheep herder in town. You know. Right. Lewis was having beer with J.R.R. Tolkien and other people, and they surrounded themselves, and they challenged each other. And and I think when you, we were talking about uh, uh, Tiger Woods when he's older, you know, when you stop being teachable,
helping, stop achieving. You know, you don't hear of anybody who, I don't need a coach, I'm doing, I'm gone, I'll just keep achieving, achieving, achieving. No, the minute they say, I don't need any of that, you can pretty much count on stuck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I, I, I can relate to that. When I teach my classes, and I've been doing it for six years now, but if I don't learn something new every time I do a prep that I've wasted my time, because we all need to be teachable, we need to know that we don't know it all, and it's always exciting when you learn something new about a topic or subject um, that you think you know about, but keep growing it. In the counseling arena, we're, you know, we, we learn stuff new every day. Oh, without a doubt. And, and, and iron, and like the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. iron. You know, that, that, and what I've noticed as I've grown older is that people are iron and they avoid iron. That they don't seek out iron to sharpen. If, if somebody doesn't agree with them, if somebody doesn't see things the way that they see them, if some, somebody doesn't like the things that they like at a certain age, they avoid them. They're not around them anymore. You know, they, and, and they don't realize that they then become dull. Yeah. Well, and, and again, there's some truth to that analogy, too, that steel and iron, it, it has to be, again, put under pressure and heat mm. in order to be Great thought. Great. You know, formed. And in and, and, and life, if like you said, if we don't, if we're not put under pressure to heat at times, we're not going to be formed. No. But then once you go through it and uh, that is taken off, then you're stronger and better than you were before. And you and it doesn't feel like stronger and better when it's happening. Oh, it feels like this is cruddy and, and, and I'm not doing well. And and there, there's where you hear from people that are in the middle of it. They, they don't get, I was learning. It's down the road, they say. Oh, but as I look back, I was getting educated. As I, was look, as I look back, I was sharpening. When I look back, I realize that these conversations made me the man or woman I am today. And so I think there's kind of the purpose of, of marriage, too, is that your spouse is it's not supposed to be your agree agent. Right. You, you like this, honey? Yeah, I like this, honey. Yeah, whatever. You know, we, we agree. No, is that they, they have a life. They have a, an issue. Uh, they have a direction. Uh, they have input. And that, that place will sharpen the place of their spouse. And, and it's not about agreeing. It's really about agreeing to disagree. That is a powerful moment. And, I, you know, I, I was thinking when we were talking, I, I love the idea that Billy Graham, still learning, still working on it, you know, still doing the due, the, the, the due diligence. You know, I remember the interview he had a couple of years ago, and, and he made a statement, you know, that uh, his wife knew the Bible better. That he did. And, uh, wow! Think of that! And Ruth, you know, she was an amazing woman, but for him to, you know, say that. And um, it all boils down really to one word, and the word is attitude. That's what we have control yes. over. Powerful, powerful. When, when we are under fire, when we are being formed, when we are having pressure put on us, is that, again, victim or victor attitude? 
to take in life is to be agreeable and complacent. And when you're there, you're stuck. You will not grow. You, you may be under the illusion that you're getting better, but that's all that is. It's an illusion. You get around other people that actually are growing, mm-hmm. and, and they are going to kick you in the hind big time. Stop. You're speaking Friday at the Palmetto Christian Business Group. Did you guys decide on Corona or when happened? No. Gail, did you decide? You know me, Gail. They're going to tell me where to go, and that's where I'll be. Well, I, think, I, I think Gail's still with us. She can let us know if that's where it is. It's, I know it's 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. I know it's Friday. Friday, yes. Do you know what you're going to be talking on yet? No, no. I, usually I try to talk on what people want me to talk about. I'm pretty dangerous when I get on my own, so you gotta got to give me a, a point to focus on. So I think it is going to be the Coronas on Wade Hampton across from the Ollies and... Um, oh, okay. I'm going to take I don't know if she'll have time or if she'll be able to confirm that part where it's still on. <laughs> we are going to be wrapping it up in just a second. Time um, flies here, Rick. We get know when we sit down and like, goodness, Christ, how do we get through this? I know both of us think we're never going to make it through this hour. And we get in, and it's like, is it already over? It's and, crazy. Um, so next Tuesday, we will pick up the idea, because I do want to speak to the topic of this green time. And what is that doing to our culture, our society, our relationships, our uh, productivity? Um, because the technology itself is a great technology, but there are a lot of things that I'm seeing that are concerning me a great deal. And some of the statistics I'm reading about, regarding screen time and, and uh, how it starts so early. And, uh, even to the point now, um, it's, con- it's considered an addiction. Mm, yeah. And, and, and well, it's like anything. You can use it for good mm-hmm. or you can use it for bad. And so it sounds like next time we come together, you want to talk about the bad. Well, not so much the bad as, as, as what are pe- people experiencing. And what, I mean, the goods are just that. I mean, you know... Uh, Ashley, my daughter, is on a cruise, but when she gets into ports where they have video, I love the idea that she, I can see her trip as it's happening through the pictures she posts, right, right. And, and there's a lot of good there. But I also have seen a corruption of the uh, common courtesy of people being on their screen while you're talking to them. <laughs> yeah, nothing's better going out to eat somewhere. And everybody at the table looking at their phone, and you're thinking, well, what is this about? You know, if, if you're together, put the phones up, you know, and, and, and communicate person to person with people. And so that will be a good, I hope if we, we, we jump into that the next time we come together on Southern Porches. Okay, uh, Gail said it is Corona's, as far as the topic. This may be a good topic to follow up or follow through with uh, over there so she can have something to announce. It's just this idea of um, complacency and how do we catch ourselves when we become complacent. So um, I think, uh, Gail, why don't you just go ahead and on that same uh, messenger thread that you have, um, Roger will send you something on that. And, uh, we'll talk we hope Roger about. will. Uh, Roger's not as fluid electronically when he's not around Rick. I'll uh, be the you, first to say that. Uh, you just have to say Roger Rose will be there. That'll 
continue and see how this works for a while. Okay. And we'll talk about screen time a little bit and hopefully get some people. We, we also did a different Roger where we're actually going out over southern porches for the first time. Oh. We've always done it under my um, Facebook name. Right. But now we have the ability to go under southern porches. They've made some good additions to the uh, 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 Facebook business pages. And so people are going to have to get used to finding us there. Yeah. So we'll keep promoting it, but it'll be on your Facebook page. It'll be on my Facebook page so people will get to look at it. And the next, they'll, they'll hear us say that next week uh, at 4.15, it'll be through the Facebook page of Southern Porches. Uh, but I'm still sharing them. Hello. So with all that, thanks for joining us. And be here next week. We'll, yeah, we'll see everybody next week. Okay. And speaking of technology, let's see if I can finish this from my iPhone. Oh.